Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast and trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. You're listening to episode number 88 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey there, happy Monday, and welcome back to our fourth and final episode of our little mini-series we've been doing on the science of reading this summer. First of all, if you are a brand new listener to the podcast, welcome. I am always so excited when we find new listeners. I just love connecting with teachers. And if you've been listening for a while, of course, you know I'm so appreciative of your support of this podcast. I cannot believe that we're already at the end of this little mini series all about the science of reading. And I truly, sincerely hope that it has been helpful for you. I hope that you've enjoyed learning about it. And today, for our final episode, we are going to do just a QA style episode where I've got, I think it's six or seven questions that have come up either in my email, in my Instagram DMs when I sent out a survey a while ago, and there are a lot of repeat questions. And so hopefully if you asked a question, your question gets answered. If you have asked a question or you still have questions after this episode, please know that I love connecting with teachers and answering questions. So feel free to follow up and ask any question that you have. You can always find me on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. And if you have not already done so, be sure to download my free teacher cheat sheet or just science of reading teacher guide. You can find that at stellarteacher.com slash SOR. And in case you are new to this series or haven't been keeping up with all of the episodes, I would encourage you to go back and listen to at least episode number 85. But in that teacher guide, I really break down and explain you know, the five pillars of reading and the just two different models of how they work together and really what the science of reading sort of shows us on how we learn to read and just everything that I've shared kind of gets connected back to that. So if you've not grabbed that freebie yet, 
I think it's just a really helpful way to sort of just, it's a kind of a crash course in what the science of reading is. But today we are going to jump right in to your questions. Now, probably the most common question that I got was some variation of how do I implement the science of reading in upper elementary? You know, I got a lot of questions of how do I get started with science of reading? What does science of reading look like in upper elementary? If I teach upper elementary, how do I teach the science of reading? How can I incorporate the science of reading into my instruction? All sorts of variations of that question. But to simply answer it, you know, how do I implement the science of reading in upper elementary? To some degree, you probably already are. And I hope after listening to this podcast for the past few weeks, you have been able to identify the things that you are already doing that are aligned to the research. And hopefully you have a few other ideas on ways that you can tweak what you are doing to make your instruction even more effective. I think it is so important to remember that the science of reading refers to the body of research on how to teach reading or really the body of research on how the human brain learns to read, which means that there really isn't a clear-cut set of tasks or instructional activities or a program or here's a list of texts you should read or here's lessons you need to teach. And so I think when teachers are asking this, how do I implement the science of reading in my classroom? I think a lot of times we're asking for like, okay, where are the resources? Where are the lesson plans? How do I get started with that? And the science of reading is the research. So you're going to have to do a little bit of work. But like I said, hopefully after listening to this podcast, you have some ideas. But if your school is moving to a science of reading aligned curriculum, or if you are wanting to align your instruction with the science of reading, there's really two things that need to happen. First, you need to make sure that you have an understanding of what the science of reading is. And if you've been listening to this podcast series, you have that foundation. Go back and listen to these episodes later in the summer or once the school year begins. Download that teacher guide. Keep that with you during your lesson planning time. But also continue to ask questions about the things that are fuzzy to you. You know, it's totally okay if after four podcast episodes, you are still like, I don't quite understand it all or I still have questions. You know, you are building your foundation, but the science of reading is very, it's very encompassing. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of books and blog posts and podcasts and all of that out there. But the more you understand the science of reading and how, you know, word recognition and language comprehension work together to create skilled readers, the easier it's going to be for you to identify areas within your instruction that you can modify, adjust, tweak, change to make sure that it is aligned to the research. So, The more you understand, the better it's going to be. So you have to make sure that you are continuing to grow as an educator. And then the second thing you need to do is you need to make sure that you are reflecting on your current teaching practices and identifying ways that you can adjust your teaching. You know, so if you're like, okay, how do I get started with this? You might have to modify some things that you've already done in your classroom or be willing to incorporate some new things. But you don't want to eliminate things that are currently working or things that you were doing that, you know, are aligned to the research. So there's a couple different questions that you can ask yourself that will help with this reflection process. Now, first of all, you want to kind of identify what part of the reading rope, and that's Scarborough's reading rope that talks about word recognition and language comprehension. You know, so what part of the reading rope do I know a lot about? And what part of the reading rope do I know very little about? So kind of self-assessing your knowledge on the science of reading. And then you can ask yourself what aspect of reading do my students typically do well with? And what aspect of reading do my students typically struggle with? You know, if your students typically struggle with, you know, decoding, word recognition, 
you know, multiple meaning words, vocabulary, root words, whatever it is, if you can pinpoint where your students struggle and where they excel, that's going to help you identify and target places within your reading block that you can either keep or change. And then I think it's also important to ask, what do you feel confident in teaching and what do you struggle with? And asking yourself all of these questions and maybe spending some time actually jotting them down, you're going to be able to identify some trends that you notice, or you're going to be able to pick one or two parts of your reading block that you're either really interested in or you've identified as a big need for your students. And then that can kind of guide your implementation. You can say, you know what, I'm really interested in learning more about, you know, vocabulary and morphology. And so I'm going to, you know, research that. And then once you start implementing some new activities and lesson structures with those, then you can maybe move on and spend some more time working on word recognition or, you know, verbal reasoning or whatever it is. But you have to be able to self-assess in order to figure out what you're already doing well and what you might need to improve on to know what aspects of the science of reading you really need to refine in your classroom. So hopefully that kind of answers your question. I know it's a little bit vague, but the science of reading is very all-encompassing. And so for every teacher, it's going to be a little bit different as far as, you know, what they're going to get started with or implement. Okay, this is kind of a follow-up question. And I wanted to answer this at the beginning because I thought it was really important. And somebody asked me, why does everything I read make the science of reading seem like an impossible task? And if you are feeling overwhelmed, either from what you are reading or what you are hearing, or even after the content I've been sharing on this podcast, if it just feels like too much, I get it. It is a lot. And, you know, for some of you, you're like, oh, this this is how I've been teaching reading. And for some of you, you're like, oh, my gosh, like all of this terminology and, you know, hearing about, you know, word recognition and all of this is overwhelming for me and it's stuff that I don't quite understand. And I think that part of the reason why the science of reading seems overwhelming or maybe impossible to implement is because it is so (laughs) encompassing. There is a lot, you know, I mean, the science of reading is literally the entire body of research that has been around for multiple decades. And so if you're trying to implement it all, it is going to feel overwhelming or an impossible task. And I think in general, you already feel like you don't have enough time And if this feels like something additional, it's going to feel like I don't have enough time to squeeze this in. Like I can't already get through my current instructional list. So how am I going to find time for phonics or word study or being more intentional about syntax and sentence structure if I already don't feel like I have enough time to teach the standards? So if you're feeling overwhelmed at all by anything you've either, you know, heard on this podcast or are seeing on social media or in your own research or what your district is telling you, First of all, take a deep breath. And I think, you know, it's so important to remind yourself that you have always done what is best for your students and you have also experienced success as a reading teacher in the past. Try not to think of aligning your instruction to the science of reading as this major, huge instructional overhaul where everything has to change, but view it more as a series of smaller tweaks and adjustments and changes that you are going to continue to make over your career that is going to help you align your instruction to research. It's not going to happen overnight. You're in it for the long haul. You know, you love improving your instructional practices and you don't have to learn everything by the first day of school. This is a journey that you can continue to go on. So try not to get overwhelmed by how much there is to learn and just pick one thing that you are excited about and implement it or identify a need that your students have and read up on what the science of reading research says about that area and implement something new. So just wanted to put that out there. Teachers work so incredibly hard. I know that you are doing your very best. And 
you know, are spending time being intentional about what you're putting into your lesson plans. And so don't view this as like a whole overhaul, but as simply as really, if anything, the science of reading is going to be able to guide your professional development throughout the rest of your teaching career. So deep breath, you've got this. Now, this question is, what is the difference between structured literacy and balanced literacy? And if I'm being honest, I almost avoided answering this question because it there's not a very clear-cut answer to it, So, but I am going to do my best. And also, this question in itself could really be like an entire book or podcast episode, and so I'm going to try to be as concise as I possibly can to answer this question. Now, first of all, there is a really great article on the International Dyslexia Association website that explains what structured literacy is, and I'm going to use their definition here in this podcast. We will link to that article in the show notes. In general, the International Dyslexia Association has a lot of great information that is aligned to the science of reading. So if you're looking for more places to research, definitely check them out. But the structured literacy approaches emphasize highly explicit and systematic teaching of all important components of literacy. These components include both foundational skills, you know, decoding, spelling, as well as higher level literacy skills, reading comprehension, and written expression. And then they also say that structured literacy also emphasizes oral language abilities that are essential to literacy development, including phonemic awareness, sensitivity to speech sounds and oral language, and the ability to manipulate those sounds. So that is what structured literacy is. Really, structured literacy is the explicit and systematic teaching of all literacy components, which is definitely what we want our instruction to be like. Now, a lot of teachers are wondering, okay, how is this different from balanced literacy? Now, balanced literacy is honestly a lot harder to define, and I taught at a balanced literacy school, and I have used the reading workshop model, which I am a fan of, you know, which is pretty common for balanced literacy programs. If you've been teaching at a balanced literacy school, more than likely you've been using the reading workshop model. Now, here's the thing that was kind of surprising to me is in my research for this episode, and as I've just been researching the science of reading in general, I could not find a consistent definition for balanced literacy. You know, there were so many definitions. There really was not a consistent definition. And the definitions that I did find of balanced literacy were also very different from what I implemented in my classroom at my school, which followed a balanced literacy approach. For example, in that same article on the International Dyslexia Association website, they explained sort of how typical literacy instruction is used in comparison to structured literacy. And they said that This is what came from the website. Typical literacy instruction frequently uses loosely structured types of approaches, such as reader's workshop. Considerable classroom time is spent having children work independently on reading and writing tasks of their own choosing. Teachers do supervise this work and spend time conferencing with individual children. However, the way that instruction is organized means that time for teacher-led explicit instruction is minimal. And when I read that, I was like, wait a minute, this is not what reading workshop looked like in my classroom. You know, it was very structured and it was very explicit. And we had small group instruction that was, you know, repeating what students were taught during whole group lessons. And while there was choice for independent reading, there was still definite control and intentionality behind what students were reading and applying. But the more I continued to research, I learned a little bit more about balanced literacy from a lower elementary perspective. Whereas I am really familiar with balanced literacy and reading workshop from an upper elementary perspective and from the research and what I've seen, you know, it does seem like some of the problems with balanced literacy has to do with how phonics and phonemic awareness has been taught in lower elementary. 
you know, for example, many balanced literacy programs don't necessarily prioritize phonemic awareness in lower elementary or even provide teachers with a phonics scope and sequence with word list and materials. Now, at the end of the day, I think it is important that teachers have an understanding of what structured literacy is and really kind of what balanced literacy is. But, you know, we can spend a lot of time really getting hung up on these labels of, okay, I was a balanced literacy school and we can't do balanced literacy anymore, or my school is moving to structured literacy and so I need to change how I'm teaching things. But really, at the end of the day, it is not about the type of program that your school uses, but it is how you as a teacher implement and execute that program. You know, I said this in the very first episode of the series, and it really does deserve repeating. Teachers teach students to read, not programs, not materials, not reading block schedules. Those things do not teach students how to read. It is teachers. And I think it's important that we understand, you know, the focus or really the foundation of structured literacy because it highlights how important, explicit, and systematic instruction is. You know, we want our instruction to be explicit. We want it to be systematic. We want to build off of the foundation of the reading skills that our students already have. But also, at the same time, I think it's important to keep in mind the whole intention behind balanced literacy was to provide a balanced approach, which is still important, you know. And so while the science of reading does highlight, you know, word recognition and oral language and how these things in combination lead to skilled readers, if we as teachers over-focus or hyper-focus on any one of those single elements, our students are going to be missing out and they are not going to get to that end result. And so there does have to be a balance in how we teach and support students through both word recognition and language comprehension skills. And so, you know, whether your school is doing structured literacy or balanced literacy, I think the labels are less important. And what is most important is that teachers understand that, yes, our instruction should be explicit and systematic. And yes, our instruction does need to be balanced and cover all elements of reading and making sure that we're continually, you know, supporting our students in the areas that they need to become skilled readers. Hopefully that helps you understand at least a little bit about the difference between structured literacy and balanced literacy. And like I said, I feel like this whole question could be an entire podcast episode on its own. But let's go on to the next question because I definitely have a few more here that I want to answer for you. Another question that I got was, you know, somebody said, I'm a third grade teacher, and if I want to align my instruction to the science of reading, what are things that I can keep from my current approach to teaching reading, like book clubs or independent reading or daily five? And what are things that I need to change or remove? And so this is really a two-part question, so I'm going to answer both parts. And I think this is also a really great question because I think when teachers are really willing to change the way that they've always taught reading, it's a sign that they have their students' best interest at heart. But also... Keep in mind that just because you're, you know, aligning your instruction to the science of reading doesn't mean that you need to eliminate everything from your reading. So here are things that I think you definitely want to keep in your reading block. Read alouds. They are still important. Small group reading instruction, reading centers, independent reading, and those fun aspects of reading, book clubs, book talks, author studies, genre studies, reading challenges, things like that. There is still room for those things even in a structured literacy classroom, even in a classroom or a school that supports the science of reading. You know, all of these things are beneficial and they're going to help your students develop a love of reading as well as give them a chance to apply what they are learning through your explicit and systematic lessons. Now, there might be some things that you have to change 
or modify. I don't know if there's anything that you're going to have to remove. Obviously, that's going to be dependent upon the classrooms, but there might be some things that you have to change in your classroom. I think one of the biggest opportunities in upper elementary is creating more intentional time for word study. You know, I think word study is huge in upper elementary. And, you know, this looks at both like the word recognition side of things, making sure your students have the tools to be able to decode the words, you know, first, multisyllabic words and being able to actually read the words, but then also giving them the tools to help them understand the meaning. So making sure that your word study has a balance of teaching word recognition and word meaning. So word study might be something that you have to change. I also think your grammar instruction has an opportunity to change. And if you listened to my episode last week, then you maybe remember when I talked about syntax, which is sentence structure, and how that has a connection to reading comprehension. And so often we teach sentences and, you know, the types of sentence or sentence structure, all of that in grammar and writing. But the connection between reading and writing is so important and, you know, it's so connected. So I think if you can consider or think about how can I teach sentence structure and complex sentences through a comprehension lens, I think that's an opportunity for you to really maximize your instruction. And then I also think that you might have to look at how you focus your time during your small group lessons. You know, if you have students, especially if you're in, you know, third grade, even in fourth grade, we have students who are still struggling with word recognition. So even though Those skills, right, those, you know, being able to identify long vowel patterns or being able to decode single syllable words or being able to identify sight words, high frequency words, if those are not part of your standards, but your students don't have all the tools for word recognition, they're going to struggle with what you are teaching them during your whole group lessons and the skills that are connected to the standards, which means you might have to do like a balance. Maybe some of your lessons are going to have to be more phonics focused. You might have to intentionally, you know, split your instructional time between either comprehension and writing about reading and more of the word recognition vocabulary, you know, breaking down comprehension really at the sentence level. And so just realizing that if you have students that are still struggling with word recognition, you might need to spend more of your small group time on the intervention side of things. But then also, too, I think thinking about how to utilize your read aloud as well as other reading experiences. You know, so yes, we want to keep a read aloud, small group instruction, independent reading, but there is an opportunity there to be more intentional about using these reading experiences for things other than just pure comprehension discussions, which they're not bad. And we don't necessarily want to stop asking these comprehension questions, but can we add to it? So can we also use our read aloud as an opportunity to build background knowledge? You know, can we read multiple texts on the same topic and connect to what students already know? Can we use our read aloud as an opportunity to identify multisyllabic words and break them down into syllables and talk about phonemes and graphemes and, you know, word parts? Can we look at the vocabulary side of things and highlight prefixes and suffixes and talk about the meaning of those and how that influences either the part of speech of the word or our understanding or how the author used it? Can we look at complex sentences used in the text? Can we create a semantics map for words used in the text? And then just, of course, you guys heard me talk about this before, but constantly discussing genre and text structure through our read aloud. So continuing to use your read aloud, but being open to the possibility of using your read aloud, whether it's a picture book, a chapter book, an article, whatever it is, as an opportunity to bring in some more of those word recognition and language comprehension skills if your students need them. 
And then another question that I have gotten a lot of is what are some science of reading aligned activities that I can use for reading rotations or centers? And honestly, this is going to depend on what area of reading your students need help with. You know, there is not necessarily a list of here are center activities and resources that support the science of reading. And so I think when you are considering what activities you want to include in your reading centers or rotations, you should consider a couple things. First of all, what do your students need help with? You know, making sure that your centers or your activities are appropriate for the skills that they need to practice and work on developing, you know, the automaticity as well as hopefully supporting the standards and just the growth that they need to make depending on the grade level. Obviously, center rotations in second grade are going to look very different than fifth grade. But also, I think considering how can you incorporate a variety of activities that support and target both word recognition and language comprehension. And if you listened to my episode last week where I shared a little bit about the five elements that make up language comprehension, you know, there's background knowledge, vocabulary, language structures, verbal reasoning, literacy knowledge. These elements of language comprehension really could be centers or workstations. And a lot of those activities or lesson ideas that I mentioned in that episode could be modified into workstation activities as well. So there really isn't like a clear cut. Here's the activities that you should do. But you want to make sure that when you're planning centers, they are aligned to your students' needs as well as aligned to either word recognition or language comprehension. And I also think it's important just to remember that if you are planning activities for your centers, that you want to make sure that it is something that you've already taught and introduced to your students. So if you're going to have, you know, a word study center and one of the activities is sorting words based on the syllable types, you know, make sure that that's something that you've already taught your students whole group so that way they can be successful with that activity. So just making sure that whatever activities you want to incorporate into your centers, that you have a plan to introduce those whole group, that students have an opportunity to practice that type of activity before it becomes a center rotation. Now, we are coming to the end of this Q&A. And first of all, I wanted to let you guys know that I got so many questions about word study. And I just, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that y'all have asked some really awesome questions about word study. And I am excited to help support you in that area. You know, word study is definitely an important part of teaching reading. And there is a lot of science of reading research that explains how we should implement and teach concepts that fall into this word study category. However, for the purposes of time, I am not going to answer your word study questions in this episode. That's because, you know, first of all, we're already approaching sort of the the time frame for how I like to keep these podcast episodes, but I am going to be doing an entire podcast series in August all about word study. So a lot of the questions that you have asked about word study, I'm going to be answering and putting together episodes that will answer those questions. So if you're thinking, I still have questions about word study, don't worry, those are coming. I think our word study episode goes the very first three weeks in August. So know that they will get answered. And then the final question that I will answer on this episode is a lot of teachers have asked, you know, what professional development books would you recommend if I want to learn more about the science of reading? And I have read quite a few, but my three favorite books that I've read this year are The Reading Comprehension Blueprint by Nancy Hennessy, Speech to Print, Language Essentials for Teachers by Louisa Cook Motes, and then Teaching Phonics and Word Study in Intermediate Grades by Wiley Blevins. And we will link to those in the show notes. But these are great books. And I think just even having them on hand, and you don't have to read through all of them from beginning to end to get benefit from them. Most of these books are broken up by, you know, there's a section on background knowledge and there's a section on syntax and semantics and a section on vocabulary. And so you can kind of flip through it and, you know, read the section that you are wanting to research. So if you've kind of 
pinpointed a couple different areas that you want to learn more about, these books would be really helpful for you to just, you know, use as a reference as you're planning lessons, as you're continuing to learn more and, you know, working on aligning your instruction to the science of reading. So this episode ended up being longer than I intended it to be, but I wanted to wrap up our little science of reading series with just a bit of encouragement for you. Please remember that teaching is never a one-size-fits-all approach. And, you know, there is going to be more than one way to be an effective reading teacher, which means there's going to be more than one way for you to successfully align your instruction to the science of reading. And so I, one, I think it's awesome that right now there is so much attention and press focused on how to teach reading. It really is wonderful that there is so much knowledge and information on the science of reading that is being shared with teachers all over the internet. You know, it's a great time to be a reading teacher because you just have access to so much great information that is going to just help you be more effective. But please keep in mind that not everything you see or hear is going to work for your specific classroom and your specific students. And so just know that, you know, just because you see that one teacher is giving more attention to, you know, phonics in her third grade classroom, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly what your students are going to need. And you might need to give more support with language comprehension and your students would benefit from, you know, more focus on vocabulary or text structure. And so just know that at the end of the day, you know your students best and you know how to implement the science of reading in your classroom. And it is going to look different from any other teacher. So know that I am here to cheer you on. I love supporting you in any way that I can. If you continue to have questions, reach out to me. Let me know. Of course, I have just so many wonderful podcast ideas based off of this series. So we're going to continue to talk about this throughout the year. And then also, let me just give you a little heads up. Starting next Monday, which I think is July 4th, we are going to be starting our next summer mini series here on the podcast, which is all about small group instruction. If you've got questions, if you're wondering how you can really level up your small group lessons this next year, be sure to tune in. I've got some great tips and strategies to share with you. So I will see you back here next Monday, and I hope you've got a great week ahead of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, It would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 